This is Points North, a show from Interlochen Public Radio, where we hear about life in northern Michigan through the news, the people, and the places. I'm your host, Dan Wanshura. Coming up a bit later on the show today, hear how the state is trying to help out underpaid and overworked court-appointed attorneys. Most people think that, yep, if I'm arrested and I'm too poor, I'm going to get a lawyer appointed to me. But the reality is quite different. Plus, a former employee of the Traverse City State Hospital reflects on 30 years on the job. But first, the number of people in Michigan jails has tripled over the past 35 years, while crime has fallen to a 50-year low. To hear why jail populations are increasing and what's being done to reform the jail system, IPR's Taylor Wisner caught up with Tom Busamra with the nonprofit Before, During, After Incarceration. So first off, Tom, why are rural jail populations so high right now? Well, there's probably three very good reasons for that. Uh, one is uh, the need for bail reform or even the elimination of bail. And another is uh, that we are diverting, we are not diverting populations from the jail. People who are mentally ill and struggling with uh, psychotic episodes, they end up in jail uh, and they're often concurrent uh, addiction uh, problems with these individuals as well. And, and thirdly, uh, probably the need for sentencing reform. We've uh, locked people away uh, with mandatory sentencing, and uh, that is also piling in people into the jail cells. And what are the effects of having such an increased amount of people in jails now? Well, they say that a person incarcerated, uh, that affects 37 other people, children of incarcerated uh, individuals are six times more likely to end up in jails themselves or prison. So it, it, it has the impact on family, on work in our community, and the overcrowding itself in jail quite frequently leads to uh, some inhumane situations. Um, uh, people sleeping on mats on the floor when the uh, jail gets too crowded. Are there any efforts going on right now to change incarceration or to change how people can be diverted from jail while still keeping in mind public safety? Well, we're getting a conversation started about uh, getting a psychiatric hospital back into the Traverse City area. People don't understand that there's, what, uh, 20 counties that are all serviced by by Munson Hospital Center 1. And the waiting time to get into one of those Center 1 Hospital beds for the severe mentally ill, people having psychotic episodes, is roughly five weeks. And so where do they end up? They end up in jail. What else we are <clears throat> trying to do is um, work with the population on the, out, on the way out. We have just, uh, we will be, excuse me, we'll be training coaches uh, in the mentoring process coming up at the end of this month. We have about 12 volunteers we're willing to take on a weekly commitment to meet with uh, the incarcerated person a couple times before they leave jail and then coach them on the outside with a face-to-face weekly meeting and uh, to give them, you know, help them access resources, uh, give them emotional support or whatever is needed. Well, Tom, thank you for coming in and chatting about this. Well, you are absolutely welcome. Thanks for having us. This is Points North. I'm Dan Wanshura. Court-appointed attorneys defend people who can't pay for a lawyer of their own. 
But for a long time, the state really didn't give those attorneys a fair shot to defend their clients. The ACLU says that means convictions and harsher sentences that could have been avoided. Now, IPR's Max Johnston reports more funding and training for those lawyers is meant to balance the scales. You ever watch a cop show? The music swells, they finally arrest a suspect, and then say, You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided for you at no cost. That's called a court-appointed attorney. Today, a woman named Courtney has one at the district courthouse in Traverse City. I'm not using Courtney's full name because she's being arraigned on charges of operating a vehicle while under the influence of controlled substances. Courtney stands at a podium facing the magistrate. Her court-appointed attorney, Jason Razavi, is standing next to her. At this time, we ask that the court enter a not guilty plea. She's also received her advice of rights. She does understand her rights. We've discussed that. Razavi met Courtney only 20 minutes ago. Now he's going over the conditions of her bond. She's not allowed to use drugs and alcohol, and she'll be tested for both, among a few other conditions. But the prosecutor wants Courtney to have daily breathalyzer tests. That means she has to go to the courthouse every day to get tested and pay for it out of pocket. Her attorney, Razavi, doesn't think that's fair. I don't believe that's necessary given the allegations in this case and that there was no signs of alcohol intoxication. He says Courtney has passed all her tests and hasn't missed one since being arrested. While the magistrate considers what to do, Courtney anxiously crosses her fingers behind her back. Eventually, Magistrate Tammy Rogers decides to not add that extra bond condition. So I believe that that is sufficient to protect public safety. So I am going to continue the bond with all of those same terms and conditions. That means no daily breathalyzers for Courtney. But if Razavi wasn't here, Courtney might have to do those tests every morning. He says that would put tremendous pressure on her. Every single morning you have to make it to this test or a bench warrant's going to be issued for your arrest and you go back to jail, you miss your work, you um, miss your children, potentially lose your job. The court moves on to the next case. Courtney leaves, but Razavi stays at the podium. This morning, he'll represent another half dozen or so people facing misdemeanors. Razavi has been handling court-appointed cases like this for years, but his work has changed. Courts used to not have lawyers like him at these hearings. Court-appointed attorneys were exhausted from huge caseloads, they were paid less, and were ill-equipped to go against prosecutors. That's according to a report from the ACLU. They called Michigan's system for court-appointed lawyers an embarrassment. The ACLU says many people in the state were unfairly sent to prison because their court-appointed attorneys couldn't adequately defend them. David Carroll is the executive director of the Sixth Amendment Center, a nonprofit dedicated to court-appointed attorneys. He says if you had one in Michigan, the deck was stacked against you. You may get a lawyer in name only because that person has so many cases or has financial conflicts of interest. It's as if you were going into court with no lawyer at all. According to the National Legal Aid and Defender Association, Michigan spent nearly 40% less than the national average on their court-appointed attorneys. And Carroll says those lawyers didn't have the same resources as the prosecutors they were going up against. You know, knowing that a public defender has to do all the investigative stuff themselves, where a prosecutor has all of law enforcement at their disposal. That ACLU report sparked some change. A few years ago, the state created the Michigan Indigent Defense Commission. They come up with county standards for court-appointed attorneys. Now, they get more training and staff to help with cases, and the state and county pay for it. But those attorneys have to do a little more, too. 
They have to meet with their clients early in the process and appear at all critical stages of their defense. That's why Jason Razavi was at that arraignment. He says the changes from the state are largely good, but not everyone is convinced. Because I didn't really see them as helping me help my clients more. I saw them as, let's just make some rules so it looks... It's like we're doing something. That's Kyle Trevis, another court-appointed attorney in Traverse City. He says some of the changes just aren't practical. The state makes him show up at court earlier and more often, and the state isn't paying him more for that extra work. And I, and I just didn't like the idea that my standard had become perfection in a system that just isn't perfect. Plenty of lawyers are butting heads with the state over these changes. The Indigent Defense Commission has been sued over whether or not they're constitutional. And it all comes down to the dollars. Counties implement the changes, and the state reimburses them for it. Stakeholders like Trevis hope the state keeps funding it, but they're not holding their breath. For Points North, I'm Max Johnston. I'm Dan Wanshura, and this is Points North. The Traverse City State Hospital was a psychiatric facility that closed in 1989. Red Pine Radio producer Stuart McFerrin has been interviewing former employees of the hospital. Peg Wagner worked as an administrator in the 1940s. She thinks the world was better off with the asylum in business. And when I worked there in um, 1947, we had a, a girl, a young girl, that used to swallow spoons and that, anything she could get her hands on. And we used to keep her hands in a muff like a big muff, we'd wrap them with a bandage, and then we'd put them in this muff and tie it. And of course, they had good, very good care. They got three good meals, and the food was marvelous that they had. And they had a bed to sleep in, clean bed. They could have a clean bed every day if they wanted it. They had all their medication. It was wonderful. It's, it's just too bad that there isn't some place like that today. There would be less people on the street. That's Peg Wagner, a former employee at the Traverse City State Hospital. She spoke with Stuart McFerrin from Red Pine Radio. Stuart has been involved with an oral history project about the hospital. Find a link to his other interviews at our website, pointsnorthradio.org. And that's the show this week. I'm Dan Wanshura. Max Johnston is our executive producer. You can find the show at pointsnorthradio.org, catch it live here on IPR News Radio, or download episodes wherever you get your podcasts.